Good evening, church. For those of you who don't know, uh, my name is Kenny Izuchuku. I am uh, doing the one-year challenge here in Birmingham. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Uh, If you're visiting with us today, we're really grateful to have you here. We're so thankful that you're here today, and I hope you can get a lot out of this lesson. Uh, Before we start, though, we are going to pray. We have a special prayer request here from the Edmondsons, so I thought it would be wise as we start the sermon on prayer to pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Uh, I'm so grateful that we have an opportunity to come before you, and um, uh, I just pray that we can have a great service. Uh, I pray for Marilise York and her family, as Marilise's dad died Friday. Uh, he just passed. John and Marilise are right now, they're in South Africa, and um, they're just with their family. I just pray for them to, be, to feel healing and closure. I know it takes time when you go through something like that. Uh, but I do pray for them. And I also want to pray for Derek's brother, Robert, who will be undergoing an operation this Wednesday. And uh, I just pray that they can remove the cancerous cells in his prostate. And I know that's scary. It's very dangerous, Lord. And I pray that the doctors, you can equip them with the, the best doctors who can do the great job and get that cancer out of there. And hopefully it doesn't spread. Uh, lastly, I want to pray for the sermon today, for you to be able to speak through me, and I can communicate your word very effectively, and for us to all grow and learn something together. Thank you, I love you, and I pray every things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, so, uh, this is the flyer for prayer, so um, like Forrest said, please grab one on your way out. I spent time <laughs> cutting them just for you. So if you can please grab them and not leave them here, that would be great, because I will get them back, and I will find you, and you will get one. Uh, So, um, great. Are we recording? Yes? This is a reminder to record. Are we good? Awesome. So the title of my sermon today is Authentic Prayer. The title of my sermon today is Authentic Prayer. And when I think about authentic, I think of something that's not fabricated, something that's genuine. It comes from the heart. And a concept that really helped me realize this is tough love. Who's heard of tough love here? Raise your hand if you've heard of tough love. Great. Just in case you haven't, I've defined it. It's an expression used when someone treats another person harshly or sternly with the attempt to help in the long run. And I bolded long run there because at times we forget that there's a long run. We're so focused on our immediate environment that we forget the long run, what we're striving for long term. And this is my family. I grew up in a tough love family. Um, Over here is my brother. His name's Amechi. Do you guys want to learn how to speak some Igbo, which is Nigerian dialect? Everyone say Amechi. Nice, you you guys are naturals. This is Chidera. Everyone say Chidera. It's my older sister. This is my little sister. Her name is Obian Uju. Everyone say Obian Uju. Obi-an-uju. That's the toughest. You guys got through that. And, and my name's Kenny. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> my full name is Kenechuku. Uh, but if you didn't know that, I'm sorry. My parents are also in this picture. Do you guys see them? No. You guys don't see them? You see them now? How about now? Yeah? What about now? Uh, that was my sister's baptism. 
my parent, my mom was stationed in Japan, so she couldn't make it because uh, she was in Japan. And my, but she, we were able to Skype her in, and she was able to see the whole thing. It was great. My dad, unfortunately, missed his flight on the way to Japan. So while she was getting baptized, he was on a plane, and we could not communicate with him at all. There's no Wi-Fi or anything. It was a military plane. Um, but amen, she still got baptized. He was happy, right? It was just amazing to show that they don't have to be there. They care about what God wants more than what they, they want to be there, but they don't have to be there. But anyway, that's my family. We grew up, I grew up in a tough love family. Uh, we got into fights, and my parents would deal with it harshly, very sternly. And they would always remind us of the scripture in Hebrews 12. Uh, you can take a second to write that down if you'd like. Um, and the scripture is, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And my dad was all about the long term. What you will see down the road. That was how he trained us. That was how he dealt with us from day one. And this is me when I'm 11. Um, I know, I know. Uh, I was much cuter back then, I know. And I was uh, at a science fair or a book fair or whatever, and... I, I really imitated Michael Jordan, who's an American basketball player, and this is me kind of doing my presentation. Uh, but at this time, I was very, very defiant, believe it or not. I was a bad kid. I was the kid that would make girls cry in primary school for no reason. All I wanted to see was their tears. That's it. That was how I was. And it's amazing because at this time, I would do weird things as well. I was so shy and introverted I still am introvert, I'm a natural introvert, but at the time I was so shy and introvert that I would do things in secret hoping no one would see. And one thing I didn't like to do around people was dance and sing, So I'd find, but I loved to dance and sing, I just didn't like doing it in front of people. So I'd find times in the day where I can kind of get alone and kind of do my own thing. Um, uh, Martin, is, the, is everything good? Is Martin here? Is Martin here? Is everything good with the... Okay, so the, I, I kind of... I kind of see myself a little bit like this kid here. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. very limited. I cared about the things I wanted, the things that had to go my way. I was so shy that I was afraid to reveal who I truly was, and it shaped my view of God at the age of 11. That's how it started. Uh, but thankfully, I had parents, I had my dad specifically, who saw what was in me and was thinking about the long run. My first point today is your view of God affects how you pray. Your view of God 
affects how you pray. Let's turn over to Malachi 1. Malachi 1. And we're going to read here. And uh, in Malachi, the Lord is speaking through the prophet Malachi. And um, at the time, people were starting to be very sloppy with how they worshipped God. They weren't taking him very seriously. It reads, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is my honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is, your, it is you priests who show contempt for my name. So Malachi is depicting a very simple parallel here, a comparison. God, the father we call father, is calling out some of these priests. He says, if you call me father, why aren't you treating me like a father? And it's so simple, but sometimes it can, it can be kind of aloof. And at this time, there were no rebellious kids in this time period. If you were a rebellious kid, what they would do to you was they would take you out of the city gate and stone you. So there weren't that many rebellious kids. I mean, maybe there were a couple of quick ones. You're like, woo, and then it was done. You know, they learned, and then they moved on. And uh, I think about my dad. This is him. This is his first selfie ever. <laughs> it's at his family group. And, uh, and my dad was strict with me growing up. And I, he treated me differently than my other siblings. I, I realize that now, but at the time, he saw that I was a very, very arrogant, prideful little boy who wanted everything for himself. And there are years and years that I went through where I did not like my dad. I felt like I had to do things his way all the time. I felt like every time I got a good grade or a decent grade, I was okay with mediocrity back then, so I would be okay with like a B or a C. He would say, no, that's not good enough. You, you, can do, you can do better. Did you try your hardest? And I hated that. I hated the constant pressure it felt like to do better, to continue to grow. It wasn't comfortable for me. And there was something that he would always say to me when I would apologize after making mistakes or uh, doing things intentionally to hurt my family members or other people. He would say, stop saying sorry, change your heart. Stop saying sorry change your heart. And if you hear that as an 11, 12, and 13 year old, you're like, I said sorry. Isn't that all I have to do? Like I'm, I'm doing what you, we all do. We say sorry. That's just normal. But he saw something much deeper. He saw that I wasn't changing the way I felt, thought, and interacted with my sin. And at the very early age, he started going after me. So in Malachi, they have here a very simple comparison father is honored by his son and then he makes it even more clear when he's saying master and slave I'm the master that makes you the slave and you understand the master the slave doesn't speak back to the master a slave does what the master says it's very very clear and if father son was confusing he wants to make it even more clear when he says slave and master and and it's amazing because I think God is calling these priests out we'll see here as we read because of something they did that was evil because at first when you look at this it's like that's kind of intense but let's see what they did 
But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on the altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. See, at this time, uh, they were giving sacrifices. And when you give a sacrifice, you're supposed to get the best of what you had and bring it to the altar. And at the time, they'd do blood sacrifices from animals. So they would bring an animal and bring it to the priest, and the priest would sacrifice it. But what these priests were doing, what people were doing, were they, were, they had all this nice flock or a nice herd of sheep, and they would find the one that was the weakest, the lamest, the blindest, the most diseased, and they would say, I'll choose that one for sacrifice. So can you just imagine having all the best and saying, that one didn't turn out right. I'm going to give that to God. And that's what they were doing, and the priests were accepting it, and it was a huge problem at this time. And God's saying, you're insulting me. He's saying, if I'm father, treat me like father. If I'm master, treat me like a master. But by what you're doing, it's clearly shown that you're not. And these priests would do this over and over and over again. And they would ask questions like, what, what do you mean we're not? They weren't even sure what they were doing. Maybe generations or generations they had, they had just been taught to do it a certain way. But they never really looked at scriptures. Because if you look at the scripture, it's very clear. Deuteronomy 15 verse 21. If an animal has a defect, is lame or blind, or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord. Does it get any clearer than that? Do we need to look at the Hebrew to understand that? Deuteronomy 17 verse 1. Do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it, for that would be detestable. To him, I read a commentary, and one of the uh, the uh, these uh, priests, or one of the priests, said that some of the priests at the time were more than likely unaware that they despised God with their actions. Okay, maybe a few of them were unliked, and then, but he said, definitely not all of them. Some of them did know what they were doing, and it just makes me wonder: How would you respond when someone is doing something wrong, and you know they're doing it wrong? How would you respond? And let's say you, you come to them gently. You're like, what, what are you doing? And they're like, they're not listening. When do you use tough love? It's amazing because I don't know if we're that much different. I don't know if we're that much different. I know for me, I don't think I'm that much different. I like bananas. You guys like bananas? All right, Dan, can you come up here, please? So I'm going to demonstrate something real quick. Dan is... Can you come on this side, please? Thanks. All right, that's my last order for you, okay? Dan is going to play God right now. Okay? I'm God. Good. Good, 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 good. So this banana here represents my time, or one's time. And this is what we do often in the church and even outside the church if we believe in God. We say, God, I'm dedicating this to you. 
hold on, hold on. God, I'm dedicating this to you. Uh, without you, I wouldn't even be able to hold this right now. Um, this is yours. But first, first, uh-oh. Can you hold this, God? Thanks. <laughs> I need to go to work. Mm, mm. Work's good. Or, or university, because we have some students here, right? Yep. And then after work, what do we do? Um, okay, I'm hungry. Let me get some food. Mm, maybe a banana. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. 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 And then, um, you know, I, I need to spend time with the kids. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with the kids, okay? Mm. If you're single, you're like, I have a, a potential interest, maybe. I need to Skype her. Video chat, FaceTime her. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Instagram, Facebook. Let me spend a couple hours there. Oh. Mm. Mm. Okay, let's say that's wasted time. I just wasted a bunch of time, so. Mm. Wasted time, right? And then I get home and maybe a, a cool show on Netflix, okay. All right, a little relaxed. Mm, okay. All right, what else do I need to do? Okay, uh, maybe brush my teeth. Mm. Oh, wait. And we get to the end of the day, and we're like, I haven't thought about God. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't done anything. I haven't prayed or anything. So what do we do? What do we do? We're like, all right, let me just read a quick scripture of the day. Let me say a quick prayer. And this is what we do. We, we throw this... <laughs> We give God our leftovers. We give God our leftovers. And God's looking like, what? All right, let's give Dan a round of And here's the crazy part about it. Um, we actually think God's pleased by that. We think God says, oh, look, thank you so much for the leftovers. Angels, come and look at what Kenny gave me today. He gave me the rest of his banana peel. This is amazing. And we think God's excited about that when we give him our leftovers. And it's just ridiculous that that's how we act. We go out every day, we say, let me buy this for myself, let me buy that for myself, let me, let me buy the car I want to buy, the house I want to buy, the, the clothes I want to buy, and then we come to church and we're like, oh, let me just give what I have left over. Let me find some loose change, what I have left over. We're not thinking about how to give to God. And we do this in so many areas of our life, and these priests, they did the same thing. These priests cared more about what they wanted than about what God wanted. They weren't giving God their best. And the only reason I could think of this is for two things. Selfishness, probably selfish, really selfish, and pride. So this is, we're going to watch a quick video here. Um, let me explain a bit. So this is Will Ferrell, uh, the actor name. But his, uh, in the movie, his name is Ricky Bobby, and he's a NASCAR driver. So 
as a NASCAR driver, you drive really fast. It's similar to Formula One, not as fast, but you drive really fast. And he got in an accident. And after the accident, he was out of it. And uh, these are his friends. And they're trying to explain to him truth. Because he was just in an accident, and he's a little bit dazed. He's not really sure what to believe. And he believes in something that's wrong. And his friends, just see how they interact with him and uh, see how they try to communicate the truth to him. Hold on, man. Hold. We gotta tell him. Uh, no. no, I don't care what the doctor said. We gotta tell him now. Ricky, the doctor told us that we should let you work it out in your own sweet time. But Ricky, you can walk. What'd you just say? He's telling you the truth, man. It's all in your head. You sick? I mean, you walk in that door on your two legs, all fat and cocky. And looking at me in my chair, and you tell me it's all in my head? I hope that both of you have sons, handsome, beautiful, articulate sons who are talented and star athletes, and, and they have their legs taken away. I mean, I pray you know that pain and that hurt. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that on us. You are not paralyzed. I am so paralyzed. No, no, no. Rough on him now. No, he needs to know. Okay. He's always crying. Tough love it is. Tough love. Wake up, idiot. You want to know what I am? You want to see what my life is? Don't do it. You want to see what's going on here? Don't you stick that knife in your leg. Right there. Just like a deer. We got a wiggler just yeah. so we You feel that? Feel like yeah, yeah. yeah. You are back. I love you guys. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, what's the point of that video? Sometimes. When we're prideful, we end up hurting ourselves. We have people that tell us what the truth is, and we don't listen. So what do we do? We grab a knife and stick it into our leg. And it's funny when we watch it, because pride is a funny thing when we see it, right? That guy is so crazy. Why would anyone ever do that? But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And it's crazy because I think that the most loving people in your life are the people that tell you the things you don't want to hear. The things that you'd rather stick a knife in your leg and figure it out yourself first before you're willing to change. And um, I've, I heard a sermon the other day, and this guy uh, is an American minister. And he, was, he juxtaposed Satan and God. And he used Isaiah... 14 verse 12 and Philippians 2 verse 3 to 8. In Isaiah, 
you have a picture of Satan, I'll describe it really quickly, saying, I will ascend, I will raise to the throne, I will sit and throne on the mount of the assembly, I will ascend, I will make myself like the Most High. So that's Satan, constantly trying to go up and up and up. And then you have Jesus in Philippians 2 verse 3 said, I'm going to make myself nothing. I'm taking the very of a nature of I'm taking the very nature of a servant. I'm humbling myself. I'll make myself a slave. I'll be obedient to the cross. So you have Satan going up, trying to be God, and you have Jesus saying, I'm humbling myself, I'm humbling myself, I'm humbling myself. And it's crazy because when we say, I want this, I need this, this is my, this is my will, when we're doing that, we're becoming more like Satan. And we don't even see it. We don't even know. But when we're humbling ourselves and going lower and serving and consider someone else's needs more, we're becoming more like Jesus. But do you see that in your life? Are you recognizing that in your life? I had a buddy, I called him a few days ago from LA. He's a, he's a young minister out in Long Beach, California. And I asked him, in what ways do you see pride in me? And he's a good friend of mine. So bluntly, I think he, he's, he acted like he was thinking about it. Oh, let me, uh, let me think. Uh, he acted. He knew. And he said bluntly and very eloquently, I think you relied too much on your skills, your logic, and your ability, and not enough on God. And um, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I need, let me think about that for a sec. And uh, I'm like, oh, so how's everything going? <laughs> but it's hard to, it's not something you want to hear. But he's right, completely right. And I think Timothy Keller said it best, the fastest way to become like Satan is to put yourself in the place of God. God of your work, God of your children, God of the way you have fun, God of who you marry and when you get married, God of who you date and when you date him or her. When you become God of anything in your life, you are becoming like the enemy. Make no mistake, guys, the way you view God, whether it whether you view him as Lord or whether you view him as your slave affects how you approach him in prayer. This is an email I sent out. Of, I sent it out in 2015, August. I sent it to a bunch of my closest friends and I asked them, what can I do to grow and improve? What are some sins in my life? I was reading a book called Respectable Sins and it asks you to identify the areas in your life that you need growth in. So I emailed the people that I thought would tell me the truth. And um, guess who was one of the first people to respond? My dad. Oh, my dad. <laughs> Let me read you what he said. You need to grow in humility, being respectful, and understanding, comma, personal organization, seeking advice, taking correction, being forthright in accepting responsibility, being more thoughtful, being aware of your responsibilities to self and family, overall maturity, setting proper boundaries, safety awareness, healthy habits, thoughtfulness, consideration of others, taking care of your living environment, cleanliness, and strategic thinking. You guys are getting to know my dad a little bit more, right? And this is two years, this is two years ago. And when I was 11, 12, 13, I would have not listened. I would have not heard that. But two years ago, I asked, and he told me what I need to hear. And I completely accept that tough love in my life. That is authentic right there. 
you will not get that from anyone you talk to, except for the ones that really love you and your dad. Your view of God affects how you pray. How do you view God this morning? How do you view God? When you go to him in prayer, do you see him as a menial person, someone that you don't even think about? Or do you see him as master? Do you see him as Lord? Luke 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus says the same thing. Old Testament, New Testament. It's the same thing. How do you view him? Your view of God affects how you pray. Next point. Just because you pray does not mean that God will listen. Okay, you're going to have to hear me out here. For those of you who are very, very mad at that statement, just hear me out. This is a map of uh, Israel. And um, at the time, they split from the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was Judah. Isaiah was the prophet in Judah. And Judah was a very rebellious nation. They had so many problems, so many issues going on at that time. They were creating false gods, and they were having false prophets, and they were doing a lot of false things to promote the Israelites to follow and go away from God. And um, if we turn to Isaiah 1, verse 15, let's read here. It reads... When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. At the time... The prayer, the ancient prayer, the posture was they would get on their knees. So, can you guys hear me? Yep. So they would get on their knees, close their eyes, they would look up into heaven, they'd have their arms up. And this is how they would pray. How many of us pray like this? If you see someone praying like this, do you think they're pretty serious about prayer? Yeah. So these guys would get on their knees and they would pray, and they would pray, and they would pray. And God says, I'm not listening. For the same reasons that we read in Malachi 1 verse 6. The same reasons. And I looked up the Hebrew word for listen. Because I'm like, there's no way. If I can just, I can just say whatever and God will hear me, right? So I looked up the Greek, not the Greek, but the Hebrew word for it. And it's shama. Can everyone say shama? Shama. Yeah, it's interesting, interesting name. And the English translation is to hear. So you can substitute listen for to hear. Does that help you guys understand it more clearly? It's the same thing. The point saying that God doesn't always have to listen to you. And these guys here were completely neglecting the widows. Widow at the time, if you're a widow, and you would, um, you would lose your husband, right? Then you would have no source of income because your husband did all that. And you were at home. It was very traditional. So if you became a widow, they, you were supposed to be taken care of by the, the, by the church or by the Israelites, by the people of God. But they were neglecting the widows. That's why God says, what are you doing? Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Change your heart. Stop saying sorry. 
And they would do this and they would do this and it's just crazy to think that at the time they actually thought it was okay. But like I said, are we that much different? Um, in, the, in the youth and family ministry in LA where I was serving, we had this, we had this teen guy and we had very mature teens at the time. We had, a bunch, we had a senior class that I was like, this is golden. These guys are basically university students already. They were mature, ready to go, mature for their age, ready to go. They were sharing their faith, Bible talking campus, it was great. But there was this one guy who came to me and he said, and we would meet regularly, we, I'd be honest, and, oh, we'd be honest and open regularly. He came to me and he said, so Kenny, I've been sleeping with this girl for a while. And I was completely thrown off guard. I was like, what? So I said, you've been lying to me like the last eight months? And he said, yeah, I've been lying. Like, All right, do you still want to be a disciple? He's like, yes, I do. I'm like, great. So stop sleeping with her. And then he says, no, I really want to start dating her, actually. I think she's someone that I want to marry. And I'm like, so you're saying you want to be a disciple? He's like, yes. And she considers herself to be a disciple or Christian. He's like, yes. And you guys are sleeping with each other. And he's like, yes. So why are you coming to me right now? Because I thought he was coming to confess, right? He's like, no, I just want you to, to pray for us. I would like for you to pray for us so that we can have a good relationship. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, just picture this for a second. Pretend that I'm God. And pretend that, or just pretend that I'm a father and I have a daughter. And uh, you come to me and you know that you're sleeping with my daughter out of wedlock. And you come and you ask me for a favor. How do you think I'm going to respond? And he said, I, I didn't really think about it that way. I said, that's exactly what you're doing when you're violating the daughter of God. You're leading her astray. Repent, and God is a very loving and forgiving and grateful God. But if the way you're living right now, it's leading to destruction. And this guy was six, it broke my heart. He was 17 years old. I've never dealt with anything like this before. I was... And I was interning. I wasn't even like the main guy. I was just the guy that they're like, you do this job. I'm like, okay. But, but can we get that way sometimes in the way that we view God? Do we really think that he's listening to those type of prayers? The prayers that go against his will, against what he wants in our lives. And thankfully, after much pleading and so much time with this guy, he eventually told his parents and he repented. Amen. Amen. But it took a while. It took a while. His thinking, it got so warped, and I don't even know how. But, um, but we should consider some questions here. How often do you bring up your pride and selfishness? How often? This is not legalism. This is not saying you have to have a specific amount of time you do it each week. I'm just asking. How often do you do it? When is the last time you asked someone about their pride and their selfishness? Because like I said before, we can see these things and we just laugh at it. We don't take it seriously. But when it comes to like sexual morality, we'll take that seriously. But when it comes to pride and selfishness, we just let it go. It's funny. They're not going to hear us anyway. That's what we say. Who do you talk to about this and how often do you bring it up? Actually, think about this, guys. 
These aren't rhetorical questions. I want you to answer this in your life. Because if you're anything like me, you're going to grab a knife and stick it in your leg before you hear anything tough. Anything that you might not want to hear. But remember that God, our Father, our Master, He's there and He's asking us, when are we going to change our hearts? Just because you pray does not mean God will listen. Okay, let's get some good news here as we close out. God wants to listen to your prayers. I think you already knew that, but just to remind you, he wants this. Let's turn over to Luke 18. It's tough part, guys. I was sweating up here. Luke 18. And um, for the sake of time, I'll briefly skim through um, the persistent widow. So he tells a parable of the persistent widow. So this is how he starts the parable. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So does God want us to pray? Absolutely yes. Absolutely. Absolutely 100% yes. And he ends the parable by saying, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. He wants to help. He wants to give. He wants to make sure that your prayers are answered. But there's these people, these people that always mess things up. So God, or Jesus here, clarifies in Luke 18 verse 9. He says to some, so right after he just said, always pray, don't give up. I'm here to help. I'm here to bring. This is what he says right after that. To some who were confident of their righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told the following parable. Why would he say that? Right after he said, I want to listen, I always want to... Because we are prideful and we're selfish. So he needs to clarify to make sure that we understand how much he loves us. Because it would be unloving for him not to clarify and just pray and there's no do whatever you want, right? When we have our parents there, they tell us the right things to do and the wrong things to do. So this is what he says. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So we got the prideful person, the selfish person. And then we get what he wants us to be. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it becomes very, very clear. In this parable, God approaches, or, or Jesus approaches these people, and he says, I don't want you to mess this up for everyone else. I don't want you to go out teaching that you can just compare yourself, and that's okay. Because you see what they were doing? They were saying, I'm better than them. I am more righteous than them. 
God is going to listen to all my prayers, so I'm just going to talk about how I'm better than them and how I'm more righteous than them in my prayers. And God's like, no, that's not what I want from you. Do you know who I am? I'm your father. I'm trying to help you see what's wrong with you, not with other people in comparison to you. The humble man viewed God as the creator of the world. He understood that just because he approached God in prayer did not mean that God necessarily had to listen to him. But most importantly, when you think about your sin and all your shortcomings and all your mistakes, that's when God says, okay, okay, let me listen. Because you're understanding that you are not perfect. You're understanding that you are sinful and wretched and messed up and, and you need him as a father. But when we're prideful and selfish, we miss that. It goes over our head. And it's very, very sad because if we can't see our sin and see our lostness, then God doesn't want to listen to that. He wants to hear us when we're humble. He has some conditions, but he wants us to approach him in a humble way. God wants to listen to your prayers. He wants it, but make sure you approach him like he's God. There's some action steps as we close. So there's some scriptures on prayer that can be helpful that relates to the topic. Hebrews 5 verse 7, James 5 verse 16, James 4, verse 1 to 3, 1 Peter 3, verse 7. So this will just give a more in-depth analysis of what I just talked about, because we don't have that much time to talk about everything. Uh, and I want you to identify areas in your life in which you may be prideful in yourself and talk to another disciple about it. Just identify it and talk to someone else about it. That's it. Uh, some of you are already doing that, so great. Just keep doing what you're doing. But for those who have stopped, we got to get back to what God wants us to do. And then lastly, as we're going through this prayer campaign, uh, the next stage in the prayer campaign for this week for everyone, we want everyone to do this, is pray with someone every day this week. Pray with someone every day this week. So last week we had a retreat with God. Uh, and this week, pray with someone every day this week. Perhaps you can pray about pride, selfishness, whatever. Um, but that's what we're going to do. Um, so in closing here, as before, we, we, uh, before I do the communion, stop giving God your leftovers and start giving him your best. Amen? Amen. Tough love. Okay. So um, in Philippians, as we read before, we talked about how Jesus humbled himself and lowered himself and made himself a servant. And I think when we, when we think about the cross, when we think about who gave the best of what he had, it's definitely Jesus. He gave everything. He was perfectly obedient. He was perfectly great. And he did the best he could for God. And as we, as we take community, I want us to think about this sacrifice and how he gave everything for, for us. But more importantly, he did it for God. And he was very, very humbled when he did that. And I even think about the Garden of the Gethsemane and how he was there and he prayed over and over and over multiple times. And um, he didn't, he prayed until he could submit his will to God. 
That's why he was there for so long, because it was hard. But just like what we can do, what we can do, we can do the same thing. Uh, when, we, when we take communion, just think about how we can submit our will to God and how he can completely cleanse us of everything that we've gone through, all the sin and the destruction in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. I'm so grateful uh, to be your son, to be someone that can serve you and give everything to you. I pray that we can remember your sacrifice on the cross, how you sacrificed your son on the cross, and um, how his body was there and how he was brutally mocked and beaten but how you were able to sacrifice him and do it knowing that it would help us because you wanted us to be with you. And I pray for the wine as well as we take that and uh, as that represents the blood. I pray that we can remember all the blood that was shed on the cross and how it uh, impacts us every single day. Why we give our best is because of that sacrifice, Lord. I'm so grateful and so thankful that you're able to be so loving and do that for us. Thank you. I love you. And I pray everything's in your son's name. Amen.